You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for listening to the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Charlotte Greenway in for Nick and it's Monday the 10th of July. Lots to look back on from this weekend's racing and we'll hear from connections of the two Group 1 winners in France this weekend as Judmont's racing manager Barry Marne and trainer Fabrice Chappé join the show. We'll also be looking ahead to an exciting week of racing from Newmarket with contribution from trainer of the favourite for Saturday's July Cup, Julie Camacho, before heading to Japan for an update from their JRHA Select Sale with Emma Berry. Alongside me for all of this is Dave Yates and Dave, it was an incredible weekend of sport all round, but we won't get distracted and we'll stick to the racing. Um, and first off, the performance of Ballydoyle three-year-old Paddington in the Coral Eclipse at Sandown. A really good race, Dave, and I thought a really good performance from the winner. I thought he was. I thought, that first of all, it was a point that John Gosden made after the race when we were interviewing him about the the gallantly defeated Emily Upjohn and he said with a you know Gosden as we know always has a a wider view of what's good for racing rather than just beyond uh, the 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 horses that he trains and he said it was really important for this race that um, with just four runners that the two main protagonists according to the betting market turned up and turn up they certainly did didn't they um i think that it was a race that quite rarely actually turned out pretty much as i thought it was going to in that paddington cruised towards the lead um running from the two furlong pole um emily upjohn william buke was a bit more agitated on her because of course she was the the filly coming back from a mile and a half paddington was the horse stepping up from a mile but in the end it turned out to be something of a of a, a gripping contest really the fact that there was half a length between them at the line um michael tabor whose colors were sported by paddington said that he always felt confident that the winner would hold uh, the challenge of, uh, of the runner-up but that at one point in the final furlong he felt himself pushing along um and i think that was probably a, a, a fair summary of, of how most of us felt. I thought that Paddington would contain the challenge of Emily Upjohn, but she ran an absolutely belting race, didn't she? The fact, as Gosden was apt to point out afterwards, this was her first run over a mile and a quarter since uh, she won the Musadora Stakes at York in May of last year. And it it did work against her. It's it's difficult for uh, beaten connections to say, I don't want to make excuses, but but in this case, it was a, a valid excuse. We, we all know that going back up in distance will be uh, what serves Emily Upjohn well. And whether that's in the King George, whether it's in the Yorkshire Oaks, uh, ultimately, one suspects it will be in the arc at Longchamp in October, 12 furlongs is her trip, isn't it? So it was a, I thought it was a, a really, uh, it, it was a very satisfying race, the Coral Eclipse at the weekend. Um, when you had the, the, the four declarations and Anne Mark wasn't uh, among them, 
one feared the worst. You know, you're, it's it's win only for betting purposes. The, the the race historically in recent times hasn't attracted a massive field. We know that, but it's nice to have an, a, a number where you think tactically things are going to work out as they should, rather than a forerunner race where things can get messy. And um, once again, this was a this was a triumph for Ryan Moore. Um, the, you know, it's it's a it's a couple of years now since since Colin Keane was the one to six favourite in uh, Paddy Power's betting to become the new stable jockey at Ballydoyle. That at the time it seemed that perhaps Ryan Moore wasn't um, high on confidence, but how 22 and 23 so far have changed that. He's he's re-cemented his place, hasn't he, in, I think, the minds of most Western observers as the uh, the best jockey in the world. He's doing everything on um, an unfailing instinct, it seems, at the moment. And Saturday was just merely the uh, the latest um, case in point. But I, I, was, I thought it was a, a really good race and, and the fears that one had going into it, uh, luckily, didn't prove grounded. And just on Paddington, I mean, was anything made of his head carriage after the race? He does look a little bit awkward. It's, you know, it is high and we saw that at Ascot, but it was also side to the side. You know, he does, doesn't stop him from going forward. Um, but did anybody sort of make an excuse for why that might have been? No, I think the, the general the general view on that is handsome is as handsome does. You know, it, he's an interesting horse, Paddington, I think, because the... That those closest to him, Charlotte, they they play down this idea that oh yes, you know the the the, the media line as you know I always use every time a single every single time I write about Paddington that he started his campaign in handicap company and you know they're apt to say well we've got loads of horses he had a mark it was in a premier handicap and you shouldn't read anything into it but the the fact is that most of Bally Doyle's um, classic aspirants don't start their careers in in handicaps they start in in group company and i've always felt with paddington and it's one of the reasons that i'm so enthusiastic about him is that i don't think those close enough that those close to him in the first half of the season have had any idea how good he's going to be um i I would imagine he probably doesn't do an awful lot at home. As you say, he, he can look a little bit ungainly in his races and, th- and people might think, well, you know, this horse is all right, but he's not going to be a champion. And on the race course, when he's put under the microscope, he 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 pulls out exceptional efforts. What Aidan O'Brien did say um, post-race on Saturday was that what marked Paddington out was just the, uh, the the way that he's thrived on racing in this part of the season. You know, uh, after his victory in the St James's Palace Stakes, it wouldn't be unusual for a horse to go from the Irish 2000 Guineas to Royal Ascot, but he went to Royal Ascot. Afterwards, the trainer said, yeah, we'll, we'll pretty much look at the Sussex Stakes now for him you know, a, a well-trodden path, sticking to a mile, taking on older opposition. And he said he, he put weight on in the time since Royal Ascot. He didn't lose weight, which is what we would have expected. That's why we decided to roll the dice at Sandown with going up to 10 furlongs. Um, and he, he pulls out, I think, a, a, another personal best. I mean, they they were um, away clear of the third horse on um Saturday, and we know what a good horse Emily Upjohn is, and the fact that she came to Sandown on the back of that scintillating win in the Coronation Cup. So, 
the fact that the horse keeps thriving and then the trainer said with regard to his next target we'll still look at the Sussex States we wouldn't be um, troubled by the, the idea of coming back in trip he keeps putting weight on he keeps thriving so with regard to his his sort of physical demeanour in the finish of his races I don't think that worries them at all as long as he keeps doing it Paddington, of course, conquered Newmarket's 2000 Guineas winner, Chaldean, at Ascot. And this weekend, Chaldean went to France to try and get back to winning ways. It wasn't to be as he finished a disappointing seventh. And I put a call into Judmont's racing manager, Barry Marne, earlier this morning to see if anything had come to light. But first, Barry reflected on the success they had on Saturday in France with Westover as he bagged his second Group 1 in the Grand Prix de Saint-Cloud. I was delighted. It was, you know, a super win. Uh, it's a, it's a very prestigious race, the Grand Prix de Saint Cloud, with you know many top winners over the years. So, it's nice to be added to the list. Of, and uh, you know, in fairness to the horse, he's good and gutsy and determined, and he done it in good fashion. And to break the track record, um, you know, it, it just backed up that it was a very good performance. And he looks a lot more amenable now. Is he just growing up? Do you think? Yeah, mentally he's a lot better. You know, he was a big baby. He's a big horse, and he was just a big baby and, and immature. But mentally now he's good, and uh, you know, Rafe and, and Rob and, and the rest of the team have done a great job with him. And he's uh, he's just nice and relaxed, and you know, he's he's uh, hopefully can build on it from there. And um, what's the plan like to be with him for the rest of the season? Um, we'll we'll see how he comes out of it. You know, he's had a hard race, um, as you always do when you break the track record. But uh, we'll see how he comes out. But we we'll look at the King George, and um, we'll you know we we'll let the horse tell us basically how he is. And I think Rafe Beckett may have floated the idea of stepping him up in trip with the Irish St. Ledger. Would that be something you might be targeting? Yeah, that'd be a possibility as well. No doubt. If um, you know, I think he'd have no problem staying a little bit further. So. Uh, I think we would definitely consider that as well. And Caldean, he was obviously disappointing and didn't give his running um, yesterday in the Pigeon Pratt. Anything emerged since the run? Not yet, um, not yet, Charlotte. Unfortunately, he's not back. He's not back in uh, Kingsclear yet. So you know, we have to wait to get him back and, and uh, get him checked over. Look, it's obviously not his run. Um, I see a few of the Ascot horses finished behind them, and and then I suppose Indestructible was four to, you know, he's he's beaten maybe three or four times at this stage, so we're not a hundred percent sure whether it was just he had a hard race in Ascot and he, and he was flat, or whether there's something underlying. We'll have to wait till he gets home and and check him out thoroughly. So the no targets for him, sort of just wait. You have to wait and see, really. Yeah, no targets until we see how he is and uh, we see can we get to the root of the problem. And just finally, uh, Nostrum, he's in at Newmarket on Thursday in the Henry Cecil Stakes. He was last seen finishing third behind Caldean in the Dewhurst. Are we likely to see him line up? Yeah, that's the plan. Um, I'm not sure what the weather forecast is like or what the ground is going to be like, but uh, the plan is that he'll, he'll go there. I presume if it was very, very quick, you know, Michael might want to start him back for his first run on very quick ground. But um, definitely, that that was that's the the plan. He's been ready there for the last week or two, and um, this looked like a nice starting opportunity for him. And is he a miler through and through? Do you think? Uh, no, I think he's. A, I think we'll find that he'll probably get ten. We 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 don't know, I suppose, because he's raced so little. But 
I know Michael and, and Ryan and Richard, you know, how I always felt that he probably would get 10 as a three-year-old. So uh, we'll start at Adam mile and I suppose that'll give us a better guide then to where we go. Barry, thanks so much for your time this morning. Uh, best of luck this week. No problem. Dave, disappointing from Chaldean yesterday. He may well have his excuses, but the English 2000 Guineas form, it's taken a bit of a knock again. Uh, indestructible, he finished fourth. He was well beaten in the Guineas, but Charon, he was well beaten. Also, High Royal, he was well beaten yesterday. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's always... Um... It's impossible to know when you see a race run on the day quite how things are going to turn out. And I, I think it's it's a very fair point that subsequent to uh, Newmarket on Coronation uh, Day, the, the the Guinness hasn't turned the the English Guinness hasn't turned out particularly well. Uh, Chaldean was humbled by. Paddington in the St James's Palace Stakes. Um, High Royal ran well in the Irish 2000 Guinness behind Paddington, but disappointed uh, in the Prix Jean Pratt. We had Royal Scotsman, of course, who had uh, a, a most disappointing run in Ireland and then was well beaten at Royal Ascot too. Those are the first three horses. Uh, Galleron subsequently, again, um, he was last of nine in the St James's Palace Stakes. So, yeah, the, the 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 list goes on really of horses who haven't shone. Um, the the fifth home at Newmarket, Dubai Mile, maybe a mile and a half has stretched him subsequently. But yeah, I think it's a very fair point. The um, the 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 form of of the uh, the Guineas at Newmarket hasn't worked out particularly well. You know, yesterday, okay, we've, we we do have August Rodin who finished twelfth at uh, Newmarket, but that clearly wasn't his running. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that it has turned out to be a, a fairly humdrum renewal. That that doesn't bother me in the slightest because you know, in 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 the long term, in order to have the light, you have to have the shade, and so. Uh, the, the fact that the the one generation of milers uh, proves out to be uh, perhaps not quite as good as we thought they might be just merely contextualizes uh, racing over the season so that really doesn't that, that doesn't bother me but I think it's a, a fair observation you know yesterday going into the the Prigent pra the uh, the observation was made that um, how uh, you, you know how disappointing it must be for French racing fans that Britain and Ireland can go to one of their uh, signature races of the of the French racing summer and seemingly dominate it to the extent that we did. I'm just looking at the results of the Prix Jean Pratt now. Of course, we've got Indestructible, who was fourth, but we've also got, should have been a ring, OK, an outsider, Chaldean, Sharon, High Royal, and we've also got Meditate. So going into that race, the view from Britain and Ireland would have been well surely we'll bring this home and the view in france would have been well why are we not producing um the 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 horses that can that can stand up to uh, to, to the horses that come from overseas and guess what happens there's a, a, a one two three for a french train runners good guess beating sauterne beating Brez sky so uh disappointing in terms of the English 2000 guineas but as I say that's just something that merely helps us to to put things in context over the years yeah and as you mentioned the Prix Jean Pratt was won by good guess trained by Fabrice Chappé who joins me now 
Fabrice, it was a really impressive victory from him yesterday. He won by three lengths and he looked pretty comfortable in doing so too. Did you think he was capable of a performance like that? Well, I mean, he's always been a top horse. Uh, you know, he won his first two, as you know, last year. Uh, you know, he always looked fantastic all his life. Uh, he didn't get too lucky. He won nicely at Prix-Gébert, which is always a good race earlier on this year. Uh, then he was very unlucky in the French Guineas, missing missing the start. Uh, but he ran very well that day because you, I mean, you can't make up ground in, in, in Longchamp, you know, when the rail is down to zero and the ground is fast, you know, when you, when you lose a eight or ten lengths, just an impossible mission. So he ran very good that day in the French Guineas. Uh, and then he went good, you know, he got beat by a good horse last time and, uh, you know, things didn't work out his way last time out, but he was a very good second, closing well. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a good thing about, you know, running these races going straight. That means, you know, the best horse wins and selective races, you know, it doesn't matter if you draw, it does not matter where you come, you know, inside, outside and all that. So, uh, you know, we, we, we just saw the, the real good guess yesterday, you know, there's no, no excuses for, for, for anyone. And you mentioned there that, you know, there's no draw bias. The the front two were split across the track, um, but he ran straight. He ran all the way to the line. Is he a pretty straightforward horse to deal with? Yeah, it's completely straightforward. You know, he just need a real proper selective race just to show, you know, his ability. You know, no no tricky French race and no tricky French pace. And, uh, you know, just, to, just to give anyone a, a fair chance. And yesterday was over seven furlongs. It's sort of that middle distance where there's not a huge amount of races. Would you be more inclined to drop him to six or would you go up to the mile? No, I would go up to the mile. There'd be no problem. The way you run yourself. I mean, I've never had any worry for that. Uh, you know, he won very comfortably uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, he, he didn't stop at all at the end. So I'm, I have no worry for going one mile. And have you got a target in mind for him? Well, it'd probably be Pre-Jacques Le Marois, which, is, which makes sense, you know. And likes Doris, he likes the straight, and uh, this is a race to go. And is he the type of horse that could have an international campaign either later in the season or even next season? Oh, yes, of course. I mean, you know, all options are, are open. Uh, you, know, he's, you know, he's likely likely race horse, so, you know, everything's open. And Fabrice, just before you go, Ernesto, we haven't seen him since last season. How's he getting on? Any update on him? He had a little setback. Uh, all is okay now. And uh, all being well, you know, he would be seen in, uh, in uh, you know, end of August, second part of August, third, September. I mean, you know, for the second part of the year. And he's still planned for the big races. Second part of the year. Fabrice Chappé there, trainer of Good Guess, the winner of the Group 1 Prix Jean Pratt yesterday. Dave, a bit of European success in the US over the weekend in the Belmont Oaks as Fozzie Stack trained his first Group 1 winner with Aspen Grove. A clever bit of placing, I thought. Yes, it was indeed. The um, Aspen Grove was an outsider on the day and uh, beat Chad Brown's prerequisite. Also, uh, another victory at the highest level for Asheen Murphy. It seems every week now uh, that we're talking about how he's slotted back into 
the, the top bracket after his uh, his ban for the, the COVID breaches and the two failed breath tests. And this is a, another piece of evidence that uh, that fits into that. Um, of course, one of those victories that uh, we talked about this season was on Shaquille in the July Cup. And uh, we know he won't be reunited with uh, Julie Camacho Sprinter this weekend because he's suspended. He is indeed. And I put a call into Shaquille's trainer, Julie Camacho, a little while ago to find out who's likely to be aboard her stable star in this weekend's July Cup. But first, asked how he's been training since his remarkable win in the Commonwealth Cup at Ascot after he looked like he'd blown his chance at the start. Yeah, no, he seems to have come out of it really well. Um, like I said before, he was just turned out in the paddock for three or four days and he was getting a bit fresh so on the Wednesday he went back up the gallops and had a canter uh, he did a piece of work on Saturday and we were pleased with him and he's, yeah he seems in good form and just on that stalls incident he just reared before coming out the gates and lost a few lengths have you done quite a lot of stalls work with him at home since? No we, do, we don't do any we leave it to Craig Witherford and Jake do all the stalls work with him so, because we've had stalls issues with him in the past because he wouldn't go in at Newcastle. And so it is, we just leave it down to them to do all the stalls work. They've be, they been up and did him before and we just leave it to them. That They're in charge of the stalls. They're more, very, very capable guys and, you know, very more experienced than we are with the stalls and we just leave it to them to do. And the sprinting division, that sort of six furlong division, it's quite an open looking division. Obviously, Cardem was a bit of a shock winner at Ascot and Highfield Princess maybe hasn't shown the same form she did last year. It's possibly looking for a horse to really announce themselves as the class act. Do, do you think he could do just that on Saturday? Yeah, I, I, think, I think for Highfield Princess, I think with a bit of luck, she could have won twice probably at Ascot, couldn't she, to be fair to her? You know, and obviously she had a penalty at York when she beat Michael's filly. Um, so, you know, I think it's a bit unfair to say she's probably not the same filly this year. Um, as for him, I'd, you know, you'd like to hope he's a three-year-old. He hasn't had a lot of racing. You know, he didn't race much as a two-year-old. And you'd hope he'd just carry on, it, you know, maturing and improving. And Asheen's obviously unavailable, having picked up that ban at the Royal Meeting. Have you decided who will take the reins on Saturday? We're waiting to see what James is doing, to be honest, and where Godolphin want him to go. You know, if he's at Newmarket and able to ride them, we'll be absolutely thrilled to have him back on. And obviously he would have ridden, would have ridden him at Royal Ascot if he hadn't been called up for Godolphin in the race. And just the forecast shows rain at Newmarket later in the week, but he looks pretty versatile with regards to ground. Does, does it bother you either way? No, it doesn't really. You know, we were worried before he ran at Newmarket when it was really soft at the Guineas meeting. And but he, he seemed to go through it. I know that was only a handicap. And, you know, it's totally different when you're stepping into Group 1 company. But, you know, he's quite a big, heavy top colt. You'd have thought a bit of ease in the ground would be better than very fast ground anyway. And, and to be fair to him, he's, he's run on all sorts. So, you know, all weather, soft, you know, good ground, faster ground. So, yeah, he seems pretty versatile, to be fair to him. And just looking ahead at the rest of the season, I know a lot will probably depend on what he does on Saturday. But is he the type of horse that you could drop to five, do you think, and run in something like the Nunthorpe? Um, I think the, the plan is to go to Haydock and then Champions Day. I think that's the plan at the moment with him.
you know, all been well. You know, at the end of the day, they're animals, aren't they? And it's okay planning, but, you know, they're not machines either, are they? But that's definitely, that's the plan. Yeah, yeah, we've never, yeah, maybe we'll be quick enough for five. I, I'm, you know, but it's a fast five at York, isn't it? You know, you're not talking of an Ascot five. You know, it's a flat five at York and it's, you know, it's a very sharp five. Yeah, it certainly is. It's just, he's got an interesting pedigree, hasn't he? He's out of a Galileo mare and um, and she's a, a half or a full to a good man and a half horse and Charm Spirit was obviously a seven furlong miler. So um, he's got the he's speed freak, somewhere. He's a isn't he? <laughs> you know, his, his siblings, you know, he was the worst stallion he'd gone to. I mean, she'd gone to, sorry. You know, she'd ha- she had an um, Oasis dream and a showcasing that weren't any good. And then he came along and, yeah. A charm spirit that's gone off to France, hasn't he? So, Dave, it's it's an open-looking July Cup. Uh, the three-year-olds are to the four in the betting, Shaquille and Little Big Bear. Who would you be siding with? I think I'd have to side with Shaquille. There's a, a sort of... I, I think this is a heart-and-a-head job, isn't it, Charlotte? You know, I, I thought that that was one of the, the most... Uh, warming results of, of Royal Ascot. You know, I, uh, regular listeners to this podcast will um, probably be bored of my lament, both flat and jumps, about how over the years, certainly since I got interested in racing, that the bigger prizes have have fallen into fewer hands over the decades. And so when you have a, a result like Shaquille beating Little Big Bear in uh, the Commonwealth Cup at Royal Ascot, it, it really just, it, it warms your heart. And I don't say that with um, any um, sense, I don't mean that in any demeaning way towards Judy Camacho. She said to me yesterday, for a, for a small northern yard like us, to win a race like the Commonwealth Cup is, I think she said, it's the icing on the cake and all the sprinkles. Um, so speaking with one's heart, I thought it was an amazing result. Um, speaking with one's head... I also think that Shaquille did so much wrong at Royal Ascot and yet still managed with his innate ability to overcome uh, the problems that he had created for himself at the start that given given that learning process, can he, if he does the same thing again, is he worse or better equipped to overcome that. I, I think that he's better equipped. Julie Camacho said this, the, the, the weird thing about this horse, who said, no, no, you know, you can't use one horse as a template for another. But in the case of Shaquille, it, he's the easiest horse to deal with in the mornings. He doesn't do anything wrong. You can send him out in a group. You can send him out on his own. You can do anything with him. And he doesn't give you one iota of bother. But on the track, he does get stirred up. They were they were very pleased with Shaquille in the preliminaries at Royal Ascot. In the paddock, they said, well, almost, he's almost too calm. He seemed to take it really well. And then, of course, he reared as the stalls open. I nearly tipped Shaquille in uh, the Commonwealth Cup. Instead, I sided with Sakir. And after the first couple of seconds of the race, I thought, oh, well, at least, at least you didn't tip Shaquille. Cue uh, the last 100 yards in the race when he charges to the front uh, and wins. So I, I think it's it, it's about right, really. You, the the counter argument to that is is that um, is that horses temperamentally can get worse rather than get better. But it seems to me that there's nothing really wrong with Shaquille except maybe a, a bit of immaturity, and he's a bit on a knife edge. That's my reading of it. I think that the July 
meeting is a bit of a more laid back environment, probably for a, a horse who's uh, prone to get stirred up than Royal Ascot would be. I don't think many people would argue with that view, surely. Um, and so given all those factors, if he does leave himself with work to do, he's still got that climb to the line uh, to pull uh, the, the race out of the fire. And for for the, the the interest of the sport, I really hope that's what he does. It, it's it's really refreshing to talk to a, 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 a really able trainer like Julie Camacho, who has a horse like this, maximises uh, that horse's potential and comes out with Group 1 success. And I, I hope that, uh, that Shaquille doubles up at the top level this weekend. And Dave, just any more news that you've picked up over the weekend? Well, the Westover thing you've already covered. Um, the King George is likely uh, for him next. I don't think Judd Mont have got a contender for that race, so that would fit in uh, quite nicely. Spoke to John Gosden yesterday. Uh, Soul Sister, the Oaks winner, goes for the, uh, the the Grand Prix de Paris on Friday. I, I think it might be unlikely that we see Emily Upjohn in uh, the King George on, on July the 29th. Uh, the, the trainer is keeping his options open there. Um, just another race that's just worth mentioning, Charlotte, with regard to this week, and that's Friday's Falmouth Stakes. The, uh, on Saturday morning, or at least Friday afternoon, it looked as though... Uh, in Spiral, of course, beaten at 7-1 to one on last year, was about the 5-4 to four favourite, and Via Sistina was in close attendance at about 9-4, to 5-2. Well, in Spiral, it seems, isn't going to run. Obviously, the, the, the gap between Royal Ascot and the July Festival was deemed to be the problem last year when she was beaten in the Falmouth. They're going to wait for the Sussex Stakes uh, with her at the beginning of August at Glorious Goodwood. Uh, George Bowie also did... Uh, sound a, a word of warning about Via Sistina. He said that we'd need plenty of rain to run if it's quick ground. And I know that there's an unsettled forecast for new markets uh, this week. It, it might rain heavily, then again, it might not. But if it's quick ground, that uh, Via Sistina would probably bypass that race too. So those are the two market principles. Nashwar, of course, for the Gosdens has been uh, supplemented for that race. We'll step back to a mile and we'll, if you like, take the place of In Spiral. And uh, Remarque, of course, is an interesting one too. She was uh, a really good second on quick ground in the Coronation Stakes at Royal Ascot behind Tahira. She's been... Uh, Purchased subsequently by uh, is it Wathnan Wathnan Racing, the the uh, the Emir of Qatar's racing operation, and she's likely to run there. So just at the head of the market, uh, the 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 betting that we saw on Friday afternoon, I think that it could be a very different story uh, when we get to the Friday. Nashua, though, just going quickly, going back to her, she's an interesting runner. She's not run over a mile since uh, since she was a three-year-old, the first run of, of her three-year-old career. Do you think maybe they're just grasping at straws a little bit with that entry? I, I do, actually. I think that the... Um, I've, I have a feeling that when we interviewed Connections after Nashua had... Uh, 
had won the the, the Phillies trial at uh, Newbury in in May of last year. That was the that was the springboard, wasn't it, to her? You know, to 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 her really being a a, a player at the top level. She was a non-staying third in the Oaks, and then of course she gave Holly Doyle that memorable classic victory in the Prix de Diane. Um, I have a feeling that talking to connections after Newbury that they said. Oh well, we knew that when she went up to ten uh, from a mile at Haydock, that that would be the making of her. I don't, I don't have the tape of it, but I'm pretty sure that was the gist of what was said after Newbury. So um, it was a bit of a disappointing run uh, to be overhauled late on in the Hopping Stakes. Um, I suppose it's worth a try if you if you ask me uh, if we have this conversation in three months' time. Did did Nashua turn out to be uh, were her best performances at ten or at a mile? I'd be very surprised if we if we're not saying well they were at ten furlongs. I think there is an element of uh, clutching at straws. I understand why they're doing it, but I, I think that ten is her trip still. Well, Emma Berry, European editor of the TDN, is currently out in Japan and at the JRHA Select Sale, as you might just be able to hear in the background um, as Emma joins me now. Emma, how's it all going out there? Very strong trade. It's just getting towards the end of the, the day of yearlings. Um, about 10 horses still to go through the ring, and uh, I think they're on course for an, another record here in, in turnover and uh, and in average, which I think people were expecting, but you never quite know until the day what's going to happen. But yeah, it's been it's been strong right from the start, really. And this is their um, sort of top yearling sale of the year, so I assume there's some beautiful pedigrees on show. Yes, absolutely. It's always fascinating to come, you know, to sales around the world and see the stock of, of different stallions that we don't see all the time at home. But yeah, this is the real sort of creme de la creme, if you like, of, of Japan's yielding crop. They're selling foals as well tomorrow. Um, but yeah, there's a, a wonderful pedigrees. And the, the really interesting thing about this sale is it's very international from the mare's perspective. I mean, we, we see plenty of Japanese buyers in Europe buying mares and the same in America and Australia. They, you know, leave no stone unturned um, in recruiting some of the really best broodmares, race mares from around the world to their broodmare bands here. And then, yeah, we're looking through the, looking through the catalogue is a real sort of who's who of uh, top class race mares now, now broodmares in this country. So yeah, they come from all over the place. Yeah, because I saw I saw on your Twitter page there was a picture of the full brother to Breeders' Cup winner Audaria, um, obviously by Wooten Bassett, and he looked an absolute belter. Yeah, he's a really strong colt. I, I felt he looked really like his sire, actually, a very sort of strong, solid, dark brown colt. He's just been bought, actually, by uh, Deep Impact, a former owner. Yeah, he he was one of the. I think he was sort of widely expected to be quite uh, one of the top lots of the day, and, uh, and, and he, he, uh, he certainly was one of the highlights from the shadow draft. Anyway. And in terms of the buyers, have you seen much European interest over there from European buyers? There's only been actually one European purchase so far, and that's just in the last sort of half an hour by David Redvers, who bought um, a son of Suave Richard, who was the Japan Cup winner, ridden by um, their jockey, actually, by Kata Racing's jockey, Oshin Murphy, some years ago. Um, but other than that, it's been exclusively Japanese buyers so far. Um, you know, there's a really <laughs> seemingly unquenchable demand for racehorses in this country. The price money is so strong, and there are a lot of new owners and young owners getting involved. I mean, I think it's sort of on the up and up, and that's really 
shown in the figures today with quite a lot of big new players um, making their presence felt. And what's the vibe like around the sales ring over there? Is it quite exciting as ever? Is it quite a good buzz up there? Yes, it is. It's, it's been pretty right from the start. I mean, lot one made more than a million dollars. Um, so there's, there's been plenty to keep an eye on. There's loads of people here. It's extremely hot. And actually, the ring, funnily enough, doesn't actually get that busy because there's people all around in sort of hospitality areas, tented areas outside as well. But... Um, but yeah, all around the place, extremely busy. I mean, there was great anticipation um, from the you know people involved last night. They had a welcoming party at Northern Horse Park, and I think they were sort of strongly anticipating a very good, very good sale. And then, yeah, from very early this morning, the place was packed, and uh, it's uh, still going strong, as you can probably hear in the background. It's nearly seven o'clock in the evening here, so uh, yeah. Uh, I would imagine they'll be extremely happy with this opening day of the sale with just one more to go tomorrow. And I saw over the weekend that you had the chance to go and see some of the Shaddai stallions. Did any of those catch your eye in particular? Yeah, that was a real treat. I mean, such a huge roster there, about 32 stallions. So I only saw a selection of them, but that was uh, mouthwatering enough. I probably the horse that everyone's expecting to make quite an impression actually tomorrow in the ring with, with his first foals is Contrail. Uh, triple crown winner here, son of Deep Impact. He's sleek and black and just a lovely moving horse. And uh, if his offspring look like him, they'll certainly be popular. And I know there's a lot of hope behind him in sort of, you know, the hunt on in this country to find uh, the next the next Deep Impact. Um, actually, his stubmate, Lord Canaloa, is currently to the top of the Japanese sire ranks. And he's he's doing incredibly well. He's a sire of Almond Eye and various others, uh, Pants Lassler as well, who we saw winning, winning the Saudi Cup. And... Uh, He's, uh, he was there on Saturday when I had a look around. A lovely, again, lovely, um, very neat horse, actually. Not as big as some of the some of the others that were on display. Kazuna came out and was a huge, sort of powerful animal. And we, saw, we were lucky enough to see Kid Sam Black as well, who's a lovely, big, rangy, good-walking horse. And he is the sire of Equinox. Equinox, the horse that everyone is talking about following his win in, uh, in Dubai and, uh, and more recently back home in Japan. And I know that... Yeah, he's now being aimed towards the end of the year as the Japan Cup because he'll win that. You know, if he wins that, there's a huge bonus um, on offer for being the winner of the Shima Classic as well. So that's his main aim. Um, he'll hopefully have two or three more races in Japan before he's eventually retired to Shadow himself. And just you mentioned size there of some of those stallions. Is that something typical that you're seeing as you're over there, not just the stallions, but maybe also the yearlings and the foals themselves? There's a real range, actually. Um, yes, some, I suppose, some maybe more sort of powerful animals, kind of bricks and mortar was there, the Giants Causeway horse, who's, uh, um, he was actually a turf horse in America, but he was a really sort of strong, um, strong animal. And I suppose it really just does depend on, on where, you know, I've seen some offspring here, some yearlings out of some uh, former French mares who, um, you know, we're, we're on the sort of neater, smaller side. It, there's a real, real cross-section, actually. It's it's, uh, it's very interesting to sort of, you know, get your eye in and, and look at different horses and sort of get a sense of what goes down well here. But there's a, the yearlings have a really natural look to them as well. I think they're not over-prepared for the sale, which I think is a really good thing. It's, it's they're not, you know, some of the yearlings, sales closer to home, you know, look almost like show horses, really. And these do look like they've, you know, come... They've obviously done a lot of preparation for the sale, but they're a bit more natural. They've been turned out and they look sort of athletic and still like young horses, you know, 
racehorses and mating, if you like. Emma Berry there, and really interesting to hear her thoughts on the Japanese sales and the horses on offer. Dave Yates is still here, and Dave, where are you off to for today's tip? We're going to Ripon for the very last race at nine o'clock. It's the Family Day Bank Holiday Monday, 28th of August handicap. If you've not been to garden, the Garden Race Course in North Yorkshire, then do go. It's an absolutely lovely setting. Uh, number two, Mrs. Trump. Uh, split two next time winners over five furlongs at Beverly last time. A return to six will uh, be of benefit to Paul Midgley's filly. And I think that off the same mark, she can go one bet here. Ran well over course and distance on her only previous visit to Ripon. Nine o'clock race at Ripon. Ivana back, number two, Mrs. Trump. We'll keep our fingers crossed for her later on. Dave, thanks so much for your input today. Thanks to all my guests. Tom Stanley will be filling in for Nick tomorrow before Nick returns on Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening. Have a lovely day. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and thoroughbred racing commentary. Thank you.